Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Mic. This is a Vent music podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. Each pod, I check in with artists across different music scenes in the UK and beyond. We talk all about their musical journeys, their artistry, and most importantly, the person behind the mic. I'm delighted to be checking back in on this episode of Behind the Mic with a returning guest and someone I had such a brilliant and honest conversation with last time. Alex from Newcastle came on the pod during the COVID-19 pandemic to discuss at that point his very recent diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder, otherwise known as OCD, being bullied in school, insomnia and the impact that intrusive thoughts had on his mental health. In part two, we reflect on how far he's come since that first episode. We talk about music burnout and how he's gone from not doing a lot of gigs to at one point working every single day in summer 2022 and why he won't be doing that again. We also have a discussion about how he's become more aware of his attachment style in relationships, a healthy discussion about a book on attachment we both read in the last two years, personal responsibility and ownership of our mental health, and finally, male gender self-expression. We also talk about his struggles with his inner critic and how he's changed the type of therapy he's used something I hadn't previously heard of called schema therapy. But having listened to Alex, it does bear a lot of similarities to a form of therapy I did called eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing therapy or EMDR. So get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go back behind the mic with Alex from New Car Smell. Alex Shaw, welcome back to Behind the Mic. Thank you very much for coming on. Let me check back in with you. You have come to my flat in North East London, which I'm very <laughs> appreciative of. The listeners will not be able to see, but you had a very interesting night last night, very heavy night. How are you, mate? How are you feeling? It was, yeah, I'm operating on about an hour and a half's worth of sleep. <laughs> I'll try to be gentle uh, today, I was mate. about <laughs> to say, like, you've provided me with coffee and hula hoops. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I couldn't feel more accommodated. And oh. I will say, after knowing you for almost three years now, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, and this is the first time we've met in person, which doesn't feel like it, does it? I always yeah, say I to feel my like I've known you mate. for ages, man, because <laughs> I, I love prodding you on social media, just like, <laughs> just like hype it, because it's amazing what you're doing here. Oh, I like, appreciate so it. I, I really, really mean it. Like, it's incredible and not easy. No, well, it isn't easy, but... You know, having guests on like you and guests on the series who have been so open and so vulnerable and, and hopefully helping other artists in your scene and, and, yeah. and artists across the globe, I hope, is something that I massively pride myself on. And it was a dream come true for me to <laughs> interview artists because I've been a gig head all my life and a music nerd all of my life, as you can see with the many CDs and the music posters framed behind you. So, hey, yeah, oh, yeah. So there's one neck deep one there and there's two Yumi at Six ones. So, oh, sick, man. Mm. That's wicked. Those are the ones I salvaged when I moved out from my parents because I had loads of other oh, posters. Oh, is that Yumi at 6 one? So that's neck deep on the left. Yeah. And then the Yumi at 6 was, the 2017 was their Ali Pali show. That was signed. Okay. And then the Take Off Your Colours one was their 10-year anniversary tour, which was four years ago. Oh, sick. Yeah, so. Yeah. The listeners can't see all that, but yeah, for the listeners, it's it the posters great. that I very much it love from gigs that I, that I loved and prints that mean a lot to me. <laughs> so without dwelling too hard into my own music life, are you ready to start the show, mate? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> ready as I'll ever be today, man. Let's start your part two of your Behind the Mic episode, mate, by diving back into your music journey. Yeah. So tell me what you've gotten up to with New Car Smell since we chatted, your new venture, Sax in the City, Sax and just everything City. else. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll start with Sax in the City because it's straightforward. Basically, it's uh, myself and my amazing DJ Murphy. You're also DJing uh, yourself now? I do DJ myself now, but I'm not as good Sharing as her. Sharing the load. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm not as good as her. So, so take time, <laughs> so, mate. Like, you're, you're in the early days. You're in I was the early about days. to say, so the dance floor will not be quite as, uh, <laughs> not be quite as felt. But basically, so for about final two years of uni, so like mine was like a four-year course anyway, 
I was getting a lot of DJ work just through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. As it happens, to be honest, as it that normally happens, word of mouth is normally the yeah, best exactly. Way. Yeah. And she collaborated playing saxophone to a DJ, not DJing myself. Mm-hmm. And I landed a residency at a place called Park Chinois, which is over in Mayfair. Really swanky, culture kind of you thing. You suited and booted every, every yeah, show. Yeah, suited and booted. <laughs> I was just my little lanky 21-year-old butt just been like kicked in there. Go, And literally, I just had to run into like this <laughs> this dance floor and they were just like, party! <laughs> <laughs> so I've done that for a while. But I became, well, I'm sort of known as a person who does like a lot of pop music. So Murphy just called me one day and she was like, do you want to do a DJ sax like duo thing? I was like, well, yeah, great. And I had another friend is called Rob, Rob McDonald. He runs um, or set up Brash Beats, if you've heard of those guys. No, I haven't heard of Brash Beats. Yeah, so it's, a, it's like a, um, a house label. And we had tried the DJ sax thing before. And Theo, the original drummer for New Car Smell, we were all together and we were talking about it and he was just like, what, are you going to call it something naff, like sax in the city? And you were like, hmm. I literally turned out, I was like, Rob, are you ready to retire at 40? Because <laughs> <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> I'm ready to like that very much go feels, to the Cayman Islands. Yeah, <laughs> that very much feels like that joke in The Simpsons where they start the B sharps and he's and Mo's like, it's got to be a name where it starts off funny and gets decreasingly less funny every time we say it. <laughs> what about the B sharps? Oh, <laughs> yeah, literally. So, and to be fair, you know what's kind of fun about it is that rather than going for like a cool clubby club aesthetic, we're actually going more for just like dirty dancing mm. just like hen do's are you oh, playing destination calabria from time to time yeah. yes destination <laughs> <Of course>. calabria <laughs> will be played yes this is uh, this is a component I, I would be disappointed if you weren't mate i'd be disappointed if to you be weren't. honest new car smell play it sometimes as well really yeah oh, and like uh, if we're doing more function kind of stuff so yeah so saxon city it is what it is like playing like a lot of functions that kind of thing it'd be nice to go abroad definitely there's an agency called encore it's like a platform for like musicians to share their stuff and you know they'll get advertisement and in return encore will take like a cut off the top of your fee mm-hmm. it's fair enough i was at their sort of like meeting like corporate networking. drinks yeah, yeah networking meeting yeah. on monday which God, I was, how far <laughs> you've come mate networking and everything say, mayfair clubs mate, when i God. first <laughs> I mean, Mayfair, then, that's been around for yonks, man. It's only that place. I haven't properly stuck into the market mm. as much as I'd love to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was strange, actually, because it was like one of the very first times I've been introduced to the corporate world of networking. How was that? Strange at first? Strange, but I took to it very well. Did you get the name badge and say, hi, yeah, my name is? Yeah, and yeah. say, it's turn to the person next to you and oh, say wow, an interesting fact about... And obviously, like... Relate. You're a musician, so you must all be interesting, right? <laughs> <laughs> you would think. You must all have an interesting factor. Mate, we work on the weekends. <laughs> we got nothing to talk about. The irony, about. yeah. I was about to say, everyone's like, oh, you must have so many stories. Dude, I'm too tired to remember them. <laughs> <laughs> You've also played a few festivals as Newcastle, haven't yeah, you? How man. have they gone? Yes, yeah, so I was about to say, for Newcastle, like our aim last year was to get on the festival scene. So what we did, we did it proper. Like we got together like our best songs or like songs that flow well into one another. There were like a couple of like, what we think are bangers, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, which were left out. But yeah, so we compacted it into like a 45 minute to an hour set of nonstop music. So like, even if there was going to be mic chat, there'd be music going on in the background and all of it would be like. So one continuous mix almost. Exactly. It's a mix. And that's what we wanted to be. We want to be like a live band that plays like a DJ set. And that would be so good for festivals. And we got put on the London Remixed Festival, which is kind of just like a rich mix kind of basing. Really cool stage, actually. I like rich mix a lot. And we knew one of the promoters was like our ticket to get <laughs> to get into the festivals. You know. yeah. Exactly. So we were just like, right, we're going to go and absolutely smash this we thought we were pitched against some other brass bands so like we came in with a vengeance we were just like because it's like an award eight, it might have been a tough sell <laughs> well like we thought we were against new york brass band who are like a pretty well established pretty big yeah, yeah, yeah it was like a pretty well established band so we were just like we're going just to give block. it a shot nothing to lose basically yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's just like we're like the new kids on the block we want to do a set as good as theirs mm. you know if not better because we're like so fresh basically and it worked. So we played Boardmasters, Camp Festival, Amazing. Ealing Jazz Fest, 
actually we uh, played on the south stage and we were the final act so that was really cool because there was actually nothing on there's only like two stages at Ealing Jazz Fest it's, it's pretty niche I mean jazz itself is niche so to have a festival must be very niche yeah, <laughs> yeah I was about to say I mean Love Supreme like Kamasi Washington is probably the most mainstream act you could yeah. probably get yeah <laughs> Actually, yeah, I bumped into him at Nubai. I guess. Oh, is it? Funny, funnily enough, yeah. I've, I've seen him a couple him of times. He's, he seems pretty cool, man. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I don't know. When I saw him, he kind of just wanted nothing to do with me. Oh, fair. But okay, like, maybe not then. <laughs> yeah, he was there in his, like, Pharaoh Sanders attire as well, like the, the full robes and stuff. Oh, right. Okay, we're And part of me was just like, can you imagine him not in those clothes? Like, in his just, like, some jeans. Like, yeah, his brand him. has to be on all the time. Yeah, yeah literally, yeah. there is no stuff in him. So he played that. And that was great because uh, there was actually nothing on on the main stage. So it's basically the whole festival came to see us. Oh, amazing. That was great, man. Like, mic chatting to an audience that big. Well, how big are we talking? How big were you expecting and how big did you end up getting? So, rough numbers. I would say we were expecting about 200, about 600. Wow. Yeah. That must be one of the biggest events you've done. Yeah, that's the biggest crowd I think Newcastle have played too. How did you adjust mentally? Did you have much time or was it just, oh, fuck it. Okay, there's more people here now. Let's just do it. It was straight off the back of uh camp festival and i'd driven about three and a half hours or something silly so i was just messed up man <laughs> i literally i had a yoga like i was, I was camping and stuff so mm. i just laid out a roll mat backstage put in some earplugs and just stared at the ceiling for like <laughs> ages and then i was like sleeping almost like next to a subwoofer <laughs> or like you know about three meters away hashtag life l-y-f yeah <laughs> just some form of life like Jesus. You know, yeah i was primitive um, i mean i think that brings us nicely onto the subject of burnout burnout you've yeah. done i believe i'm right in saying over 70 weddings and function events just for sacks in the city no not for sacks at foxland primarily okay uh, yeah, all right that's with that's for entertainment nation it's one of where one of their like mumford and son style like boy bands that they put together right <laughs> i mean that's a lot so how has that impacted your mental health post-covid i think to be honest it's been such a funny world because like musicians were in this scramble and we all saw the scramble coming which intensified the scramble but it's also it's been an oversaturated market anyway isn't it yeah music, exactly yeah. but then all of a sudden loads and loads of opportunities came up and there was almost like vacuum as well where it's like lots of things opening up and not many people knew what to do with themselves so it's like actually getting back in and like Saxon the city was a good example i'd like to think of murphy and i've been like right there's going to be a lot of weddings coming up. Mm. We need to sort something to accommodate this newfound market. And like, it's a great thing. It's like, you know, the fields... Be ready. Been, yeah. yeah, the yeah. fields have been turned. So there was that. And there's also just the panic of, I need money. Just money, 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 money. Because like, even then, coming up to COVID, I was far from a rich man. You know what mm. I mean? Like, it was a couple of, you know, gigs, like 200 pounds basically mm-hmm. coming in a week. And then some teaching which, you know, might have brought in 200 pounds, mm-hmm. 300 pounds a week as well. So it's like, that'll get you by, you know, pays for your rent, pays for your food, that kind mm. of thing. But, you know, it's not like... You're not thriving. Not thriving. Yeah. You're surviving. Yeah. Surviving, I yeah. ain't thriving. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, so I just took the most apparent option, which is work. And I took loads and... I'm lucky now that I've made enough money to go to Japan for a few weeks, actually. I'm going off in February. That's going to be amazing. amazing. Yeah, it's going to be great. I've always man. wanted to go to Japan, man. I love the future funk scene there. So, yeah. And city oh, really? pop. Yeah, mate, I'm a city pop addict. Mm. Mate. Really? Mate, you've got to send me some. Like I don't know years. any future funk. So. so, future funk was a genre that was basically created off the back of sampling city pop records. Okay. So, like, people like Anri and Tomoko Aran and... Toshiki Kanamatsu, Junko Ohashi, all these like 80s wow. icons. And then yeah. they sampled a lot of those records. Now there's a oh. bit of there's a bit of conjecture in the wider scene because yeah. a lot of people say, oh, Future Funk is just French house regurgitated in a way. And it's not like it's own. There's a bit of, yeah, it's a bit yeah. of conjecture. It kind of started off with Vaporwave, I guess, and then it went more into Future Funk. But I'll send you some good stuff. Yeah, man. It's, yeah. Always, it's always Japanified. I'll send you well. the 80s stuff and I'll send you the modern yeah, stuff. Sure, yeah, sure. I've had a lot, I've had to be fair, I've had a few of the, um, the UK Future Funk producers on the pod. Oh, on sick, the DJ man. series, yeah. yeah, they're all really oh, nice guys, man. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so I think by the end of like the end of August or early September, I'd watched the Woodstock '99 documentary, and I was feeling sad because I was way overworked, and yeah. I've been driving so much. And mm. that's the thing, like you know, for those who are listening who aren't really familiar with the musician's lifestyle, on the road, 
on the road yeah like especially if you're just a jobbing musician as well Mm. if you're doing like mostly functions even i guess on tour and that kind of thing but like you are more of a professional driver the going rate for like a wedding band musician is like 200 250 pounds and then like some travel on top of that Mm -hmm. you can get more some people will try and talk you into getting paid less and at time you, you know you'll have to drive you know two hours to be there yeah, it's mm. very much expected. And then two hours on the way back. Mm. And it's just like setup time might be like five, six o'clock. Set time more like eight o'clock, that kind of thing. You're there for a long time. And it's like four hours worth of driving as well. That's actually harder than the set itself. That's where the work is. And so I'd watch this Woodstock 99 documentary. And I was like, well, I'm sad. So I'm going to listen to Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, wow. Did yeah. you go to their London show? No, I didn't, man. No, I know you that, didn't there was that one, the one with Anderson Pack. Yes. The tickets were like uh, Stratford. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. tickets like 130 each. Yeah. It was just a bit. It was just a bit. I tried to get tickets to the weekend show yesterday for July. Couldn't get near it. Nah. Got to the queue. It was like the pre sale. You are 24,200. <laughs> I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> I've not got time for this. <laughs> that as well. And the thing is, I saw Haim a few months ago now in the O2, and it was the first time I'd really been, not in the gods, but just a bit further away. It's not yeah. the same, man. Yeah, so no. I don't ever want to be in a stadium where I'm like not in the standing area. Yeah. So. Oh, I see. Yeah, because like I ended up getting free tickets to see Tall and Robbie Williams actually in the O2 Arena. Oh wow! But like they were like ants, mate. Yeah. But like it's not the same, man. Like it's weird when you're on a standing area, everyone claps around you, and then you hear everyone like on a delay, yeah, like a minute later. Yeah. So when you're in the gods, you hear them first, and then you clap, and then it's it's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. But anyway, so I was driving and I ducked down to like, you know, plug in my iPod. Mm-hmm. And because I was like basically half asleep and, you know, it's also just a careless mistake, to mm. be fair. I just like, not iPod, but like, you know, the phone input thing, mm-hmm. you know, was, uh, plug it into the aux thing. Oh, can you tell I do recording engineering? <laughs> um, <laughs> on the weekends. But, Hashtag uh, source. I was about <laughs> to say, but... Um, I was like just fumbling around and it was breaking because I could see the traffic was stopping. Mm. But it clearly just, it just stopped. It stopped way faster than I expected. And so next thing you know, I just go like, doof, into the car in front of me. And like, man, the sound a car makes and it crashes into another car. And I'm talking like eight miles per hour here. It's like tame, but like that sound. And obviously the guy comes out and his hands are up in the air and stuff like as you would because he's just stopped. Obviously, I was just like, I'm so damn sorry. He clearly saw how I was head to toe, like, because he looked me up and down. And he was like a young dude, sort of mid-30s, I'd say. And like, he had his like, possibly wife or girlfriend in the Mm. back and like, his child as well. Mm. So it's like, he was keeping cool relative to someone just crashing this guy who's got a kid in there. Mm. Like, I wouldn't blame him at all for panicking. And he was just like, oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, look, I'll take pictures. I'll trade all your details. He was like, it's all right. Give me one of those really, you know, the cool high five handshakes. (laughs) Sideways ones. Yeah, yeah. man. He properly landed it. (laughs) It was absolute dude. But he was just like, yeah, I'll just let you know how much it costs. But you know what the messed up thing was? This is how I realized it was rock bottom. I got an adrenaline kick and that was the best I felt all day. From the crash? Yes. That's messed up, man. Yeah, that was the best I felt all day was after crashing my car. That was the highlight of my day. Was that can you when you knew you needed some help? Yes. Yeah. Or like, it wasn't actually like I needed some help. It was more like... I need it, a break. Well, I was just like, to be blunt, like, and pardon my French, but I was just like, fuck this. Mm. <laughs> you know, fuck this, fuck it, like fuck all this work it's like Mm. fuck this fucking agency and just like i'm sick of this this will not do i cannot keep doing this yeah that's the important line i can't keep doing this yeah Yeah. exactly i got all my energy back and it made me realize you know you do become zombified that's how work gets you down you no longer have the capacity to think independently and you become a zombie and you just do the same thing over and over again it becomes a rat race and that was just kicked me off with enough energy to like kick off my disagreeable side to just be like you know what i just can't do this anymore so afterwards i got to the venue and like i've never seen a group of guys in their mid-20s look more tired it was literally like we're probably in the military or something like 
our eyes are like even worse than you're looking at me now, man. And Just I'm like, war, you looked war weary, basically, literally yeah. like see through. And because the promotional video was shot like a year ago, I like look at that. I'm like, we looked younger. <laughs> we actually looked noticeably younger in one year. Wow. So it's just like the way that it's aged us has just been crazy. On the other hand, so subsequently what we've done is we've campaigned for higher rates. Mm -hmm. And what we've said is we don't actually mind a drop in demand. They can take more of a cut as well. So it works in both favors. But if we get paid 25% more, take 25% less gigs, that's cool with me. For the sake of your mental health, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just a smarter way of doing things because literally this band Foxline is so popular that... If Kieran, our singer, didn't block out days like in the summer and say, I can't do this, that and the other, we would get booked 90 times in summer, which is insane. I mean, obviously well, there's 31 days in August. Exactly. Calendar days. I think he did like 27 gigs or something. Like, it's just like it was just carnage. That's no life, man. Yeah, well, that's it, and he's got a baby and stuff, so it's just... How do you even do that with that? I couldn't even do that if I was single. He had a newborn in, like, June or, like, May. Bloody hell. He was just, like, he got to the point, like, I know... His that... missus is doing a lot of the, a lot of the care, yeah. I'll tell you that for free. Well, I was about to say, and it's just, like, I'm sure he wants to help out as well, but it's, like, I'm sure there's, like, a Michael McIntyre sketch from back in the day about this, where he talks about, like, one eye just shutting. It's a real thing. Mm. <laughs> like, his eye just shut and he didn't even realize and he was just talking to because he was like, so tired it was permanently yeah it, it just contracting sh- his brain basically yeah, yeah basically you know dolphins can shut off one half of their brain i did not time. know that yeah so dolphins don't really sleep conventionally i think they do actually have moments of inactivity but they don't sleep sleep they shut off one half of the brain at a time which is amazing could you imagine doing that like doing your ironing and getting some sleep at the same time yeah that's like- bonkers because most fish don't sleep they just swim permanently like sharks, like sharks, if they stop swimming, they die. Yeah, so um, they keep moving. So as a newfound fish dad, actually, I bought myself an aquarium recently. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh, nice. absolutely excellent decision in terms of like a mental health thing. Fantastic. Really? That's well, interesting. Well, like as opposed to like scrolling through something as hyper stimulating as TikTok, because I got that for New Castle recently as well. Oh God, yeah. And doing quite I only well. see. I only uh, see. Well, good, good. <laughs> I see the highlights of TikTok on Twitter. That's how I view it. So, so like Vine back man. in the day. Well, the thing is, like, it learns all the time. It reads your eyes. Yeah. Like it monitors everything, and I just feel very seen in quite an unpleasant way. It's very intrusive. Same for Twitter. That's what Twitter starts sending me. Yeah. It's so just... Like if I if I dive into a topic of like mental health yeah. that I'm covering, it will send me all the content related to that. So if I cover, you know, something like eating disorders, yeah. it'll send me content of people talking about eating disorders. If yeah. I had to do content about sexual abuse, it'll send me accounts who have... Like yeah. there might be advocates, which is great, but it's like, I don't need to always... I like, quite heavy. Yeah, it's the balance of... I use Twitter a lot for finding podcast guests, so I'm yeah. on it a lot, but it's also like, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, you don't get to shut off. Nah. And it's so relentless. So like, mm. again, like Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, it's like, but actually TikTok in particular, you almost can't turn the content off. Because it's, it's a constant thing, isn't it? Constant yeah. thing, so you can't swipe past it. You know, yeah. it's like reading content or like just reading into things, like mm. reading the context around it. It's just like there is no escape. I've gone through it a few times just to like see what goes viral there, but it makes me feel quite uncomfortable. So mm. I think I'm going to be using it just like post off post yeah. off and yeah. to be honest like i want my social media to be more like that to be mm. honest more of a work thing you have to work on it and i've certainly not got it perfect but i try yeah. as much as i can to just like if it's vent stuff post it and that probably doesn't help me in yeah. in a way to grow my following but it keeps my sanity yeah so. i mean that will help your following you know what i mean it's yeah. just like there's no point running a mental health podcast if you're not even taking care of your own yeah, <laughs> you no, know exactly. what i mean you gotta, honestly yeah you gotta sort right. of lead by example I'll try it, try yeah. at least, yeah. <laughs> Let's reflect on this continued music journey, mate, because a lot's happened in the yes, last sir. three years. So what has this part of your journey taught you about yourself? Oh, Jesus. God, um, it doesn't seem like three years, does it? Fuck no, it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like three years, but it's also like, I don't know, so much has happened since yeah. then. It's like, I don't know. For both if- of us. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think there's like a single moral of the story that's to be learned. I guess 
Well, you you found us like through like our Instagram campaign when we're doing like a lot of live videos. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I'd like to lay into a bit more and like what I'm trying to do is like with new car smell, Mm -hmm. especially. And I think as a collective group is like not take ourselves seriously at all in a very serious way like seriously not taking ourselves seriously isn't that getting to like hipster culture <laughs> no 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 we don't take ourselves too seriously but we're trying really hard to make ourselves seem like we're not no it's like no obviously opposite actually it's like it's kind of meta but like we're really just dedicated to just being a bunch of oh i see <laughs> what you mean now. yeah 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 it's yeah, yeah. like i don't know like really, really going hard on the casual yeah yeah just yeah. like really just being a bit nuts <laughs> you know what i mean and i think that's definitely something i think it's been interesting listening to my podcast like i took your advice to like check in with the last time that mm-hmm. we recorded and i kind of expect myself to have learned so much and blah 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 <laughs> and i do think i have but i will also say I've definitely lost something because <laughs> like you caught me like even though I was suffering from quite bad insomnia mm. I was like really on it with my fitness I was really on it I wasn't even drinking caffeine at the time mm. you know I was just like staying so hydrated meditating every day which is something I haven't done in months which I'm not worried about by the way just like I'm not tasking myself mm-hmm. with it but I just sounded like so peppy and just bright eyed <laughs> and bushy tailed I, I, I probably did as well to be fair yeah I was about to say it's just like I feel like this is like haggard old Alex like, <laughs> the fact that you were out last know. night until about 4am doesn't help mate six six oh, yeah. I was trying to be kind yeah it was intense uh, Deborah DeLuca <laughs> yeah industrial techno for the listeners who don't know who Deborah DeLuca is yeah I was about to say Debbie does not mess around yeah she, like, she doesn't fuck about yeah. like her and Helena Half don't fuck about when it comes to techno I was about to say it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just like you know what's funny as well like I didn't actually realise that people wore those skinny glasses I always thought that was like you didn't think that was a thing no, you thought just the meme with the small Asian kid who's doing that yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. I just thought... No, that's a real thing, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's a real thing. People just wear them. It's really jarring when you see it for the first time and you're off your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, probably they are, hence why they're wearing yep. sunglasses yeah, and probably stuff too. stuck. Because their pupils, they probably look like aliens. Like barn owls, yeah. Yeah, barn owls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Halfway between, like... Where is the afters? <laughs> yeah, or like... <laughs> Have you not ever seen that meme? It's like the barn house in a in like a corner of a room and it's like, where is the afters on, on, on the caption? <laughs> No, classic. I'm gonna see a few DJs share that one over here. I was about to say. I mean, doors opened at ten o'clock for this gig. Oh. <laughs> it was ten p.m. for the morning. I don't even know how my body listeners. reacts to that now. I feel tired almost hearing that. I was coming fresh off a gig, man. As wow. well, like, so just... the adrenaline was hard. No, oh, it wasn't, <laughs> man. You know what? Actually, to be fair, I think something that I really and hence this is a big reason I'm going to Japan is mm-hmm. that at the minute, like, I feel. I feel weirdly indifferent, you know, about a lot How, of what things. What do you mean? As in, like, I really feel like I need to try hard for excitement sometimes. Do you think that's because of the life you lead where it's literally high octane quite a lot? Maybe. May- yeah. Maybe. So you're trying to chase a higher high than that? Possibly, yeah. yeah. And it's just it's like... It's hard, bro. Yeah. It's like footballers when they stop playing football or sports people in general to replicate the buzz that they get from scoring a goal or... Yeah. winning a trophy and they can never do it because yeah you can't you just have to find a different way to channel it i think a lot of it as well is obviously coming off the festival season there's been like a short period of inactivity for newcastle and i think function works great and like i just love partying just getting up on stage and just dancing my ass mm. off basically and that's really cool until you don't want to party then it's the worst job on the planet mm. but if you do then it's a great job mm. but i think it's become almost kind of too easy now like, so you need a challenge? I think so, man. Yeah. I think so. And Newcastle is a challenge because it's actually like... And like Jack will tell you because he's like... Spine's like getting wrecked because he's like... Sw- from drumming. Oh, from swinging the... Oh, he plays the... Yeah, yeah, he yeah, plays, he's yeah, yeah. Sw- swinging the sousaphone around. Mm. Also, Jack got married. Oh, um, big up Jack. Yeah, I was about to say. And played his own wedding. Wow. Yeah, so we all did a set. He never has a day off. Like 12, 13. <laughs> never like, has a day off, midnight, even on his wedding yeah. day. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst we've ever played in our entire did no, life. Did no one ever say, like, maybe, Jack, you, it's your wedding day, just, like, have a day off? <laughs> oh, no, you don't do that. Oh, right, okay. Well, he's, he's not, he, he does dance, but he's not like me, where you can just sort of 
it doesn't matter if I'm with people or just by myself. If you just stick me on a dance floor, I'll just right. start dancing. It's kind of like just leaving like a baguette in the fridge. Like, <laughs> what like, analogy? You can, what like, an analogy? Yeah, you can sort of come back. I've seen many baguettes dancing in fridges. Yeah, but... <laughs> it's like you can come back and like I'll be all right. Right, like, okay. I see what you I'm sort of yeah. known for that. <laughs> it's right. like, it's like, is he all right? It's, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> He's having a great time. I'll be just there like, yeah. I think challenge, I've got a lesson on Monday with Pete Wareham from Melt Yourself Down, who's like a big inspiration for me. So that's going to be really cool. I think he's going to give me like the kick up the ass that I need, basically. And yeah, I just feel like I want to be myself a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. We're um, going to get to that in a bit, but yeah. Yeah, just be myself a little bit more. And just like in terms of like the music, the actual sound, just like actually have a bit more of a, a motive other than just doing things to earn money, doing a little bit of this and like, and actually just having a good time. So more purpose than... More purpose. Yeah, yeah I think that's the way of putting it. Mm. So like, I think that'll help me like snap out of all of this relentless indifference. Mm. We've talked all about your continued music journey, Alex. Let's go back behind the mic and talk about your continued mental health journey so tell me first of all said a little bit of it already but tell me how you reflect on the first podcast and what we discussed from a mental health angle and who's the alex we meet now so i would say listening back to our first podcast was like really interesting because i'd just been diagnosed with ocd essentially Mm -hmm. and i was trying to like figure out what it was and I think actually contextualizing it and understanding how it works. So like intrusive thoughts was a we big We talked one. a lot about that, didn't we? But yeah. not, not in the realm of OCD, didn't we? We kind of talked more about intrusive thoughts as a concept, but less the OCD yeah. maybe. Yeah, well, it's like, I don't, I get the impression that the two are linked. Yes. So like a lot. A you lot. weren't at a stage yet to kind of more have a sense or handle on the two as they relate yeah, to exactly. each other. Yeah, exactly. So just like people with OCD tend to engage in compulsions to seek comfort from them. It might even be my brain type, to be honest, because like people who know me know that to any stimulus, I will come out with multiple ideas immediately. That can be a good thing. Oh, it's amazing. I feel very lucky to have a brain where it's like for mind mapping ever since I was a child, I can do it freakishly fast. It's amazing how many musicians I've spoken to who either have... ADHD, OCD, or some neurological complexity, which actually helps them channel creativity. Oh yeah, it's amazing! Yeah. Oh, literally, because like there's an OCD awareness day, and like mm-hmm. I don't make a huge song and dance about it. And obviously, it's great if you do. I just usually put a little Instagram story, you know, sharing a few thoughts and just been like, "Hey, just this is what it is." Mm-hmm. And every single time, like a few more friends like come forward, and it's like I've got OCD, and it's just like it's meant to be like it's not even one percent of the population's men have it but a i think more people do have it it's just no one really knows what it is and people are quite secretive about it because compulsions mm. can be off the wall and seen as quite embarrassing yes some can be very stigmatized yeah whereas some can be perhaps more mainstream now if that makes sense yeah, yeah. exactly they're often just quite outlandish to be honest because yeah. they've been cucked in one's mind for so because long. they sound so rational when you say them Really, when you yeah. think about it, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's so irrational, you know. It's mm. just like, oh, I can't go to sleep unless I've turned the hob on and off a few times. Something stereotypical mm. like that. Mm. It wasn't until my therapist was just like, yeah, but what do you think will actually happen? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, will something happen? It's like, I don't want to try it. <laughs> I don't want to try it. I don't want to see. Do you want to take the risk? Yeah, exactly. I yeah. don't want to take the risk. I will spell M's and W's yeah. in my wrists or something. It's, it's <laughs> like, when you think about it, a really pathologized superstition, almost. Yeah. Do you know how people have like it rituals is. and superstitions? Like, you know, my dad will only wear like a certain item of clothing if we've won the, you know, the next three games yeah. like, for a Huddersfield game. But when you think about it, oh, yeah. that's almost a trait of OCD obviously at a very low level where we don't want to kind of self-diagnose people into making them think that they've got OCD when they just have a superstition but it is a little bit like that isn't it it is a little bit like that in terms of the comfort or like even joy seeking you know what I mean as a child with magical thinking that might have developed you know I was doing it in quite in sort of well a wishful way you Mm. know it's just like 
you are engaging in something that is magical, that is hopeful, perhaps. That Give me an example. Give this as an example. So, for example, for me, like, wishing myself having a good night's sleep would mm-hmm. mean that I'd fall asleep instantly. Didn't work, by the way. But <laughs> And it's just like as an insomniac. But obviously, as somebody who's had their sleep pants interrupted on a regular basis growing up, as it turns out my teeth grind severely as well. So Mm. like um, I need to wear a gum shield, which is unpleasant. I hate it. That's actually really bad because maybe it's an OCD thing as well, but I grind my teeth a lot. But like having something in there, I can't stop fixating on it. So like I'll start grinding that as well. Mm. And I grind even more because there's a gum shield in there. So that's quite difficult. Have you addressed that at all yet? Have you found out why you do it? Is there a way to stop you doing it or? Uh, I mean, if it's childhood trauma related, then it's like, it's not in the realm of my dentist as much as it is my therapist. Yeah. So my dentist says, you got to wear something or you won't have any teeth, you know? Yeah, he's seeing the short term. Yeah, you need exactly. to kind of sort out the long term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just like, all right, but you know, in the meantime, I don't think there's going to be a fix. Like, you know, it's not going to be like, bam, you know, what you need to do is X, Y, and Z. Mm. And, you know, it's going to be more a case of me settling down and having my past traumas revisited and reconciled, you know, by a professional. So like, for example, I've heard of a magical thinking, perhaps where people imagine that a boat's going to take them away one day. You know, someone's going to come, some sort of like Mary Poppins figure's going to come. That sounds almost like Peter Pan. Like, yeah, very much. Exactly. You know, and that's kind of like these stories aren't that far away from like the reality, you know, and obviously we're looking at it through the lens of mental health. But all of what we're talking about has been a thing for a very long time. So that might be an example. That's kind of like wishful or like a ritual to if you let's say we do have a Mary Poppins thing, like a child might think, well, if I do X, Y and Z and like eat all my vegetables, Mary Poppins might come one day and like take me off. And Mm. as sad as it is from a means of escape from this horrible scenario, you know, it's Mm. horrible reality that, you know, we're having to endure. I've forgotten what the question was exactly. That's fine. You also told me that some of your opinions on OCD have changed slightly. Can you just unpack that for yeah, me? Yeah, absolutely. On my own, on my own OCD. I'm not mm. going to speak for other people's yes, experience. Yes, of course, yeah. So, like, I was going through ACT therapy when we started... Uh, so what is that for the listeners? So ACT is acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, behavior-based therapy. And basically, it's about distancing yourself from your thoughts, essentially. So, for example, similarities that are drawn is with regards to intrusive thoughts or like ruminations, for example. You can actually often consider, rather than the voices or like monologues that might happen in your head as like gospel, you can consider them more like a radio station that's going off all the time. And you can pick and choose as to how you're going to engage with them. I'm a big believer that the primary function of our brain is so that we don't die. Survive. Yeah. To use the Latin term. Uh, (laughs) Yes. And that's it, right? Otherwise, you know, would have been eaten by a pterodactyl or something. Mm. So naturally, we are going to be inclined towards being danger averse. We don't want anything to do with that. So our brains are always being analytical and trying to find ways of danger to keep us safe. But obviously for those of us who have engaged in dangerous environments repeatedly, then it's like that sort of goes into overdrive and becomes dysfunctional in safe environments. So, for example, people with anxiety disorders might find it hard to, quote-unquote, kind of loosen up, I guess, you know, because they're preoccupied, Mm. you know, and rightly so. So in ACT therapy, it's like, okay, well, all of this, your mind's saying this, that, and the other... What do you believe in? Use your own belief system to pull out the information you need to act as you see appropriate in this scenario. And that way you can sort of engage with your own personality a little bit more and become maybe a bit more, I guess, of the person that you want to be. It takes a lot of skill, I think. It takes a while to get right. Mm Mm-hmm. But it is a big relief knowing, for example, for like intrusive thoughts, particularly violent ones, which I'll often have, you know, it's just like, I had a funny one earlier, actually, it was a pretty soft one, but I thought about lobbing a pillow at you. But it's like, it's just <laughs> it's so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just, I'm previously, I'd be just like, geez, I'm mental. Like, I've lost it, you know, like. We all have little intrusive thoughts here and there, don't we? But if they get more severe, then you maybe have to kind of do some work on why that is or how you manage them a bit better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And now I'm just like, no, it's not. 
quote-unquote mental i'm saying that term uh, it's, it's abusive you know mm-hmm. that term but for those of us with critical minds which i definitely have you know very self-critical mind that i'm you know undergoing treatment for mm-hmm. it's kind of nice and relaxing to know it's just like well yeah but it is just a thought you know what i mean it's like as jordan peterson says an idea is a personality not a fact yeah exactly mm. yeah it ain't a fact so uh you don't... so you can separate yourself from it yeah exactly you can create that distance and that's like a good way of putting it yeah so from there i've now engaged in schema therapy yes what is schema therapy for the listeners i read some definitions on better help <laughs> uh, like better help aka the sponsor of all big podcasts yeah i was about to say <laughs> just like every single time <laughs> I thought it was that, what was that little game that sponsored all YouTube channels? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> League of Legends or whatever it's yep. called. <laughs> Manscapes, all of them. That's yeah. it. And, uh, obviously, my therapist did send me one. And, like, sadly, it's got a bit more of a convoluted kind of definition, to be okay. honest. So the difference between schema therapy and, say, CBT, for example. So schema therapy, it's a longer-term treatment. So more cash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But as Dr. Tadros put it to yeah. me, my therapist, she said that basically with that therapy, we're sort of like trimming the leaves of a tree, but now we're getting to the roots and it does get pretty left field schema therapy because we've talked about this before in like your therapeutic experiences, but it's an attachment based therapy mm-hmm. as the first thing. So there isn't as much professional distance. So, like, much more friendly and also kind of like a pseudo sort of, like, parental role as well. So, like, offering guidance, you know, in a way that isn't so almost matter-of-fact. There is emotional investment coming from both parties. And she's trying to get me to speak up, you know, as I would to a friend or, like, someone just I'm very close to. And what it's trying to do is sort of... I guess, is it to rebuild trust? I'm not sure. Or just like form a tight, attached relationship that's successful with her. I could use as a model for other relationships. So deep down on the inside, it is a case of like, I trust her so I can now trust other people. Well, speaking of attachment. Yes. Attachment style is also something you wanted to talk about. And you've been doing a lot of work on, as you say, and when we spoke off air, I mentioned a book called Attached, which I've read, which was I found very helpful in understanding just the basic concept of attachment. So I didn't, I didn't know what one was. I didn't know what I had. And it was very good in me learning what I used to have, what I've now addressed and what I still need to do. Yeah. And we both had differing opinions on the book itself. So just tell me about how you found it and your understanding of attachment yeah. style too. So I'll start by saying I tried to reread it this week. I only got halfway through, <laughs> but I've simmered down a little bit. Oh, right. Okay. I've simmered down just a little bit. And I think in what it comes to is like you said, you know, you felt very seen by the book. Yes. And, oh man. When you do read it, you just like, it's, it's not nice. It's no, it's not nice seeing not what nice you were or what you are and what you could be. Two yeah. people, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having two people who don't know you, you've never met in your life, explain to you exactly who you are. <laughs> yeah. It just like, I mean, I use the term white golf ball. Mm. It's like, you are just a white golf ball <laughs> and there's a bucket of you yeah. just like waiting. And you just like, you're like, no, mm. all the patterns of behavior. There's one thing that's kind of stayed the same and one thing that's changed. I think the book is a bit less demonizing towards avoidance. I still Mm -hmm. think it's actually marketed towards an anxious audience. I will say that. I can see that argument, yeah. Yeah, and it's like when you're considering like the demographic of people who buy self-help books as well, it's going to be... They normally tend to be more anxious, wouldn't they? Yeah. Avoidance would not want to even delve into that, yeah. I wish they just brought out the figures about which is more relevant, probably gender like in terms of where people lie on the spectrum i think that's an important part of information to share what like how many males have is there a skew yeah yeah is there a skew because it wouldn't surprise me in the fact that they've omitted that makes me think that there is a skew but they don't want that skew to actually make people make automatic assumptions 
Which is functionally does work, but at the same yeah. time I see as a little dishonest. What, so you think this is just speculating? So, for example, it could be that more women are more anxious or more men are more anxious or more women are more avoidant or more men are yeah, more Yeah, I think if going to yeah. the stereotypes, I think that would be it as well. I think women are portrayed maybe as more anxious or like, but I do know plenty of women who exhibit avoidant traits as well, yeah. to be fair. And they're similar for men. Maybe yeah. men are more portrayed as having more avoidant, yeah. but they might be more secure than we think. So. And yeah. I'd like to know how like the two genders actually do or like anything between as well exhibit those traits as well because it might be the behavior might be different as well in different scenarios just perhaps even through conditioning so that might be interesting but I do understand as well how the book might see that as a, a distraction I think the book requires more contextualization of partnership in terms of friendship mm-hmm. I think because you can have the most secure, like, securely attached relationship ever. That's a good ever. point. Yeah, but you could be but, completely anxious in your friendships. Well, yeah. Well, you, something yeah. like that, for example, yeah. But yeah. I was actually talking more about, do you guys actually like watching a film together or do you have completely different tastes? You know, do you like, yeah, that friendship thing, like, where do you, you find yourselves lying as well in a wider group? Or do you just get along? Mm. The book actually doesn't really talk. It talks about effective communication, but like it doesn't really talk about I've got yeah, a fish that's tank. That's theory, isn't it? It's yeah. not as much practice. Yeah. I, I've got a fish tank. And to be honest, like I could have the most whatever attachment style ever and be with someone who has whatever attachment mm-hmm. style. If they don't get your fish we, we tank, might, it's not happening. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying it, you know, I'm saying it, broadcasting it live on air yeah <laughs> not live on air but still on some kind pre-recorded, of pre-recorded pre-recorded on pre-recorded air, air. <laughs> yeah <laughs> to, to be broadcasted into air in your yeah. own it, it, time tbc yeah 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 exactly <laughs> possibly if this rambling doesn't make it makes the cut <laughs> no this is definitely staying in yeah i was about to say love me love my fish tank yeah <laughs> that's a good attitude to have in life to be fair mate and like to be fair i wish there were more of that actually put forward I think it would make for a more holistic mm. sort of viewpoint. I think the sort of like the crux of a relationship as portrayed by this book is solely, almost entirely based on attachment or attachment styles. And I don't think that should be the case. I think shared interests and mutual goals can actually serve as something that that causes people to go against their attachment style. Or work on it, maybe? That, that's well, what I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or double down if you've got... Yeah, a, you <laughs> yeah. Know, exactly. It's not going to last long, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, obviously, that is, you know, if two people are falling in love, essentially, it's... That kind of is... It can override it, it almost. Yeah, it can, yeah, of course it can override it. I think that needs to be discussed a little bit more. It's just like... I think that's as important. Maybe it needs a sequel is what we're saying. Maybe it needs a sequel. What, Attachment, but also this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attachment, Uh, but also this. There's the title if you're listening. Yeah, Yeah. but it's like, if, obviously this book's only what, like 300 pages long. Something like that, yeah. And it's like, every couple is so unique and like, it is two entire human beings being together. You're not going to be able to summarize every aspect of what makes a successful relationship. Mm -hmm. But I do wish it acknowledged its own scope a little bit more like attachment isn't everything like it isn't before we move on to some other things which we're going to finish on one thing that you wanted to discuss and which came off air is which came up off air sorry is personal responsibility for our mental health so how have you taken ownership of it mate i mean so uh taking therapy definitely it's a big one just like i just can't I can't really go around being sad and maybe even like it's a lost opportunity on other people as well. Like I think if I'm on the top of my game, it's going to benefit people around me immediately and it's not even subtle. I watched an interview with Kanye West recently. It's like alt-right. Well, when this goes out, who knows what might have happened to him. Exactly. Well, it's like, but I was kind of like this. It was just sad, man. Yeah. I I was just like, this is what happens when someone doesn't, own like he's got very severe mental health issues yeah unchecked unchecked yeah. but i guess previously i'd be a bit more pitiful of him but now i'm sort of like you're a grown man you need to get help because what you're saying right now is harmful yes and that's kind of where i'm standing he's got bad at. people around him as well exactly right yeah. yeah so Which like, doesn't help i'm taking a bit more of a hardline kind of approach these days i'm sort mm. of like People need to learn to look after themselves. They need to be encouraged in the right direction. 
it's yeah. got to take it from un- there. Because unchecked mental health can unfortunately, and it's quite stigmatised to say, and it's quite taboo to say, but if it's not controlled, it can lead to abuse, and it can project itself as abuse. Exactly, and yeah. so the cycle continues. Yeah. And so I think definitely setting up boundaries, like yes, that's, that's... and that's another thing. Boundaries go if unchecked mental health. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like that's something that I've had to learn to do for sort of circumstances i'm not really comfortable talking about but i've had to learn subsequently it's just like and this is you know through work with my therapist as Mm. well it's like i just can't i just can't keep helping and helping and helping like (laughs) yeah mate it sounds like you came to the conclusion i came to a few years ago it gets long it's self-destructive it's self-destructive and it's like you're gonna sink with them like no or or worse you'll sink and they'll swim yeah i don't know if that i mean at least one of us swimming at that point but you know what i mean like i just don't want people to drown Mm. when you put those boundaries in did you find there was some people who pushed back against you a little bit yeah Yeah. it's just like yeah it's 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 quite because they're like oh you weren't doing this before i wasn't able to ask you for anything and you would go a million miles for it and now you're not oh wow okay that's a change it's surprising isn't it you can lose friends over it or you or you realize who your friends are should i say yeah exactly no that's the best way of putting it as well because it's in the truly positive light you Mm -hmm. know it's like people who actually do care about you and understand you truly obviously thoughts aren't facts but feelings are facts not in terms of like they're relevant or necessarily point towards the truth i mean they're valid well, the happen is what yes, I'm saying. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, if you're feeling sad about something, you're feeling that's sad. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's yeah, happened. Yeah. Like, that is... That's uh, reality. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Obviously, it's subjective as to how you might quantify that mm-hmm. or, like, how you might respond to it, certainly. But, like, in terms of it being a thing, one day we'll be able to make it empirical. But for now, we're just going to have to cry and hope someone believes us. Well, there you, go. <laughs> you know, yeah. worst case scenario. One interesting thing you said to me off M, and I can see it actually expressed through how you've come dressed today, was that you're starting to explore yourself more. You're you're starting to bend back against stereotypes when it comes to how men or males dress, how we act, which Um, is obviously a very positive thing. So how have you gone about that? So basically, so you're spotting the nails. I am spotting so the nails. So I'm yeah. uh, donning black and white alternating nails. You've gone with the a minute. Newcastle United. Newcastle, <laughs> no, Newcastle United home kit. I'll actually have you know this is my family crest as well. Is, is it? Yeah, oh, amazing. i a wicked family crest. It's uh, black and white checkerboard. Oh, nice. Got, I don't even know what mine is. Yeah, I was about to say, but like, I got that one. I was like, mm. oh, yeah. And you were in leopard print? Leopard print, yeah. Leopard print sort of like sweater i just wear the sweater all the time to be honest it was warm and comfortable i was planning on wearing some more eccentric clothing to get me more this podcast ain't video so you would have been it would have been lost well yeah but but this is actually this kind of leads in neatly to your question because like i do feel myself Mm -hmm. i mean i was literally wiping my own lipstick off my face this morning (laughs) and that is the thing i'm dating someone right now and there's an ongoing joke that i genuinely wear more makeup than her like just like we just not far-fetched idea and i do and i do like paint my nails and that kind of thing and it's hilarious if i give her a kiss she's just covered (laughs) in lipstick I'm sure she appreciates that. Yeah, yeah no, but it's funny that that should be her problem. It's just like, it just, it just makes me laugh, mm. to be honest. It's something that I've been wanting to explore for a while. I've come from a very, so I, I hate the term because it's used by annoying people, but heteronormative. Mm-hmm. There is a way to be, you know, and it's just like, particularly like, where's Isn't that from- also based on a stereotype, though? What is heterosexual? You know, you're redefining it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, well, it's a sexuality, is what it is. Yeah. And even that, it's gender-based as well. So mm-hmm. even that's like putting it on a spectral system. So, I, you know what? I think... It's on the label, isn't it? It's like, it th- shouldn't be defined by our labels. Exactly. And I think, obviously, people do take a lot of joy in being like, break down the walls of, you know. And obviously, we do need to break down the walls of masculinity. So I'm air punching. But like... <laughs> I don't know. Do we need to break down the walls or just redefine what the walls say? Or what I, the walls I don't know. Are? I'm just a dude. Like change the brickwork. Yeah. I'm just like, a bouncer was just, he literally, he was like, he was cool about it. He was friendly. Yeah. But it was just like, mate, you wearing lipstick? And I was like, yeah. It was just like, what the fuck? And I was like, mate, it floats my boat. And yeah, was yeah. Like, right I on. bet he probably reacted better because you said, I'm just calm with it. Well, literally, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just somebody who likes wearing lipstick from time to time yeah. and likes painting You're my calm. nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say like, no, we must. I've not got an agenda. I just yeah. like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and like London's great because generally I don't feel like 
picked out. I've definitely had a few funny looks because, like, I do primary. That's also school. just London. Like, yeah, I, that I is did true. November and I got funny looks, mate. So <laughs> that <was about laughs> that's just London people. And that was just from me. <laughs> <laughs> now the tables have turned. Exactly. Now I was one. about to say, like, I was like, I'm at the opposite end of the bus stop now. <laughs> um, but. But I do like primary school teaching mm-hmm. and I do get comments like I wouldn't wear lipstick for that. I just feel like it's for me, it's just like it's it's just too aggressive and ascetic, to be honest. Yeah, like, that might be a bit confusing as well for primary school. For primary school kids. And most of them call me miss anyway, because they used to being tea taught by women. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem in itself. You haven't got enough male I was teachers. I about to say, but, yeah. but like nobody there gets dolled up because what's the point? It's yeah. not like yeah, it's yeah. not the focus. You know yes. what I mean? Like You're a teacher. You're there to teach. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's just like looking a bit boring advantageous yeah. I think but I still paint my nails and you know I get some of them and you know they're just like why have you painted your nails in the Y stage yeah of course yeah, yeah and it's just like yeah the Y stage I guess good knowledge man but like it's my first time yeah not your first rodeo <laughs> yeah and I tell them the same thing because you like, like doing it yeah I think yeah. it looks great yeah <laughs> simple as that isn't it it takes the wind out of people's sails honestly as well. genuinely and I think that is generally, like, if there has to be a way of breaking down gender norms. Uh, like, I think that's probably would be my way of doing it, is just, hey, man, nice nails. Yeah. <laughs> just like, or, hey, man, your nails suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, but not being, like, and confused still, and you're by still a man. <laughs> and you're still a man and you're still male, like, for it. And, and it if you don't want to be, it's like, yeah. it's almost, it's kind of funny because it's like, it's just to be taken lightly. I'm starting to feel more and more that aesthetic and just like gender is just to be taken lightly. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's not to be presumed. It's not to be imposed upon on other people. It's mm. just, it's just a thing. And people deserve to feel themselves. And by taking things lightly, we all give ourselves room to breathe. You know, even if you do just, you know, even if you don't want to engage in any of that kind of stuff and you just want to wear some Levi's and so like, (laughs) you know, and just like a regular old scruffy t-shirt. It's all valid. It's, 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 it's all the same thing. Mm. We've also got something on my running order called the inner critic the inner critic yes and it's something that (laughs) you have said you struggled with since we last spoke so what are you like with it now so obviously for those of us who are listening i mean i'm sure the inner critic something that's maybe come up as a theme on this podcast before not in those terms, but probably, oh, really? yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's what it There's was... There's not been a name for it, shall we okay, say. Okay, so that's what it was diagnosed as for me. It's like this inner critic. And what I've concluded is that, essentially, I was bullied a lot. I was criticised a lot at school, and even at home as well, you know? It's just mm-hmm. like... But particularly bullying, like, was a big thing. And so you get put in a position in a school's hierarchy basically you know yep. cool kids not so cool kids and then just i was at the bottom total dirt. <laughs> i'll see you there uh, <laughs> i'll see you down there <laughs> it's like i got invited to the odd house party yes <laughs> i didn't even get invited to any until sixth form so yeah oh, well, you, at least you're lucky, yeah, you're lucky <laughs> i was about me. to say man it's just like, come to mind man <laughs> it's like we're kind of like just checking in the um, the events kind of feels probably feels a bit like a party you know what i mean just like yeah i guess so mate yeah it's just one with an agenda you yes know? <laughs> you know what i mean it's interesting how yours manifested because mine manifested in a protector oh so I called it. now yeah. mine's like today it was just like i got here safe and sound mm-hmm. made one mistake and that was changing lane in a don't change in lane thing yeah fair and it was still a safe i should have told you that to be fair that was my mistake no nah, man there's a big if sign. you're coming down the a12 coming into not a lane yeah yeah yeah, yeah I was like, <laughs> coming you into, to, yeah you need to turn left immediately it's an actual place nut oh lane. right like just just <laughs> oh okay <laughs> sorry i should have clarified that yeah, that's a road lane name, is, yes. yeah we're not we're that's not road name. i was obtained to you check into nut a lane yeah like before i get cancelled on my own podcast before you go into nut lane it is a place nut lane exists and i am parked there right now Again, again, it's it's a real place. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get cancelled on my own podcast. So let's yeah, leave it at that. I was about so, to say. It's literally a location. It is hilarious, though. Yeah. So I made that mistake. And then, like, my necrotic were just like, mate, you should have got back at three o'clock. And it's like, obviously, I can't actually pull off. And I don't know if it'd be a very sociable thing to do to actually embody that voice. Mm-hmm. In a therapy session, I will actually go into the tone of voice and reenact what that voice says to me and the way that it does and that's a really cathartic process of being able to to sort of understand and 
contextualize what this voice is. And my conclusion is, in an attempt to be essentially talked down too much, I've been criticized and people have tried to prove that I'm just not worth that much. So criticism such as, in this case, get off the road would be a great way of talking somebody down. You understand what I, I mean? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it's like destructive criticism. So that's how mine manifests, for example. Or if it's just like, you know, if I don't... I'm not too bad for like dysmorphia or anything like that. I think I've had it, though. I'll talk about briefly. But, you know, for example, it's just like, oh, man, it's like... Just look at yourself, you know? It's like in the mirror, it's like you've got this damn pot belly and you pale as anything and you better wear some baggy clothes today because this ain't happening. Is that dysmorphia or is that just maybe poor self-esteem? But that's the voice that's going on in my head. Oh, that's the voice, sorry. Yeah, that's the voice. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no, that's not actually something I buy into these days anyway. But you could could see how one would, and I think it does come into a low Mm self-esteem. So a low self-esteem who has been, you know, sort of had to take a lot of shit. There is Mm -hmm. no other way of putting it. They'll find ways of justifying it, you know what I mean? They'll try and take the onus of that. Who's they? Or somebody who may go, um, you know what, I go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, sorry about I'm that. I'm challenging your thoughts right now, mate. Yeah, we'll call it the impersonal say, but thank yeah. you for checking me on that. I will find ways of justifying why I'm just worthless, really. And I talked about it on our last podcast about me thinking that I'm a freak. You know, that was a big one that isn't so much the case these days because I've almost made fun of that image so much. If you laugh about your shit, you own it. Yeah, exactly. That's it's what just Pat like, says. And I think I was actually just at the very start of that, which is really exciting. And yes, yeah, so so I'll be on stage and be like, this music's stupid. Why can't you just make normal stuff? You know what I mean? It's just like, and particularly like, if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't get what I do these days, I might distance myself from them a little bit more because they might contribute to that kind of thing where it's just like... Isn't that healthy though? If you, you're, that's your way of screening people. If they don't get it, or you don't think there are gonna be a person that understands you, you, you can, you know, say, oh, that's not a person for me, or is it? Something yeah, more yeah, no, I'd say, yeah, that is that. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, nowadays I'll be just like, okay, I'll try and explain it to them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like trying. If get they don't get it. Saying, cool. See you later. Yeah, but if they get hostile about it, it's yeah. just like, well, I don't really like this kind of thing. Mm. It's just like, and kind of make it like it's my problem. Just like, okay, well, that's going to contribute to my own inner critic. Yes. So I'm not going to add any fuel to that fire. I'm just going to do me. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, someone didn't like my lipstick. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, they just like, they called me like some like sort of homophobic slur, Mm. for example. That's on them, not you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But my inner critic will try and make it my responsibility. It should be the case that I should change to accommodate them because they know better because I'm worthless. So there's a people-pleasing angle there too. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that is another point my therapy is like for relationship dynamics. I'm, yeah, it I takes am, work, man. And mm. these aren't my words, you know. It's like <laughs> one of my exes so happens to listen that I have self-sacrificing issues that was diagnosed to me. It was just like I have self-sacrificing problems which contributes towards boundary issues which leads to me bottling things up, which also leads to the trauma responses that we talked about briefly as well before Mm. this podcast. And the inner critic is sort of like the sort of puppeteer of all of this. And I think it just comes from multiple, multiple people criticizing me and telling me I belong in a state of criticism to the point where in adulthood it's, it's dysfunctional. Let's reflect on this mental health journey now, Alex, and yeah. given all that you've been through so far. So I want to ask a positive question now and not reflect if we can, because you've spoken about what I'm basically going to ask you already. What do you hope to achieve in the next part? Oh, of my mental health journey. Yes. Eternal happiness. <laughs> That's what I want to be. I don't know. I'm not going to say you'll be able to get there, mate. I, want, I, don't to, hold promises. I want to eat sunshine and shit rainbows, mate. Wow. <laughs> I want to be, yeah, exactly. I want to be like glowy, just like, I just want to be like coming in, just like a radiance of Britain now. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm, what I want is just my best. That's it. I think it would be really bad for me to set some kind of goal on my mental health because 
Because it needs to do its own thing. Right. My brain will just... It just needs... Your brain will brain by itself. Your, it will brain <laughs> and my heart will heart, you know, yeah. and my body will body. And <laughs> it might be fantastic. It might be gross sometimes. But as long as I'm feeling okay and I'm knowing that people around me are feeling okay... I think that's all we can ask for. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not going to task myself. I used to be like almost got like you know got like my ten whatever ten thousand minutes or whatever on Headspace or whatever it is. It's possibly more. I got. I got a ton. But these days I don't even meditate, and I'm kind of okay with it. I'm sort of like, well, my routine's going to be my routine. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have X, Y, and Z time, and it's just coming from a more generalized space of acceptance as opposed to something goal orientated. If there is a goal though, going to Japan, definitely. That's a good one. I got, yeah. I got myself a tutor. So like, I will say like a benefit. If you took away the final 10, 15% of my work, it would have been like unregrettable in terms of like, you know, I wouldn't have burnt out. But having gone through all of this, I haven't enough money to like finally be like, Right, well, I've gone through all this BS. It's time to go, you know, and learn something and, and experience a culture that's completely confusing. And on that note, what a way to end it. Alex Shaw, thank you so much for coming on behind the mic again yeah. and chatting to me, mate. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's an incredible thing you've got going on here. <laughs> like, Cheers, man. It feels a real... Pri- I was doing well up till this point. <laughs> That'll stay in. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. No, it's a real privilege. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I think that's all we've got time for in this episode of Behind the Mic. I want to say a big thank you to my mate Alex from Newcastle Smell for being my special guest on this episode once again and for letting me go back behind the mic with him. I'll put Newcastle Smells and Sacks in the City's streaming and social media links in the show notes as always and a link to where you can listen to part one of Alex's journey if you hadn't listened to it already. As always, thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. I will sign us off by saying, remember, if you've liked what you've heard, give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing here at Vent and want to support us further, you can do so by going to our Patreon. That's at www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk. If you don't want to do that, you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe and you can buy a Vent t-shirt. Those are both on our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash venthelpuk. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Mic. And remember, guys, it is always okay to Vent.